Hello, this is Terry Angus, and you are listening to the Fulham Focus Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Fulham Focus Podcast. My name is J-Mac and I'm your host as I record live from Chateau J-Mac, lying on a chaise long, being fed grapes and fanning myself with a matchday clapper. And for any Brentford fans listening, a chaise long is like a sofa, but you can lie down and sit up simultaneously. Okay. Now, we have a lot to get through in this pod as we discuss another toilet half of football for our boys in black and white, as we were completely shat on by the Gunners from a great height on Sunday, 12pm kickoff at Craven Cottage Cricket Club. Moving from there to the quiz, where at least one Fulham fan will win something this week and be champagne in sparkling glory, and that goes for anyone playing at home. And after that, a quick discussion of Marcus Betts, second England call-up, and then a special feature where my fantastic co-host shall draw up a team of Fulham's best international eleven of all time since the year 2000. But first, we'd like to offer a huge thank to White's favourite, Terry Angus, for introducing the show. Angus was a central defender who signed for Fulham from Northampton Town in 93, the season we were relegated to the bottom tier of English football, finishing one point from safety with a 2-1 defeat away at Swansea's Old Vetchfield ground on the last day of the season. It took us three seasons to get back out of the basement, and Terry played a vital role in getting us back up with promotion, secured away at Mansfield in April 1997. On Boxing Day 96, Terry scored both goals in a one-all draw with Exeter Exeter City at the Cottage, cancelling out his earlier own goal with the equaliser. And whilst this was to be his own Fulham goal that season, Terry's performances at the back meant he was extremely popular amongst Fulham fans and he became a real cult hero in the mid-90s. Terry left the club in 97 with five goals to his name in 122 appearances. And you can catch up with Terry by listening to Danny Boy's two-part interview of him, which you can find on your podcast app and you can visit fullandfocus.com. So, Terry Angus, we salute you. Right, me, Matthew Baldwin, and Matt Baclare are with me. Let's begin. Fulham. Okay, gents, so here we all are, and let's get this recap out the way and as painless as possible. Slab's never-ending love of David Bowie continued as we made more changes and started with three at the back against Emery's Arsenal. The first half, we had some chances, and they had some chances, but we looked good. Then a great goal from Lacazette was cancelled out by a lovely goal from Schurler before the half, and thing looked just about okay just then. But second half, we concede early to a fantastic finish by Lacazette once again, and then, cha-cha-cha changes, we go to a 4-3-3, and from there we are destroyed. A Ramsey back heel, two Abamyangs, and eight pints of the Golden Lion. So, Boisclair, I'm going to go to you first. What did you think of the starting lineup? This is another, I believe, the eighth combination of defenders in eight matches. How did you feel when you first saw this lineup? Yeah, um, evening again, everybody. Um, just, just before we we go on to pick the bones out of this Arsenal performance, actually, just just a quick one on on Terry Angus, who introduced the show um, back in the nineties when when we got promoted in in the Mickey Adams season, so ninety six, ninety seven. We'd we'd kind of come out of nowhere that season, and you know, having having had a terrible time of it in the nineties. Um, that that promotion season, there was a real feel-good factor that came back around the club. And in the Johnny Haynes stand, which was called the Stevenage Road Enclosure back then, everybody used to stand on the terraces where there's now seats, but the wooden seats behind were still there. So we always used to turn around to the wooden seats behind us and sing, stand up if you're going up. Um, and we took that on the road as well, and away at Leighton Orient towards the end of the season when, when it really was looking like we were going to go up. Those of us that were stood um, at Leighton Orient in front of the seats turn round as we always used to and, and sung stand up if you're going up and Terry Angus wasn't playing that day and he was the first one on his feet in his tracksuit with his arms above his with, with his arms up in the air above his head so he was a, he was a real character so it's re- really good to hear that, um, that he's still around and that he's he's involved with this so nice one Terry so that's the good thing out of the way um so what what did I think of um of the the lineup to be honest I thought the lineup looked okay. I didn't realise it was going to be five at the back until until the game started. But of course, with with fullbacks, uh, a fullback's job is twofold, isn't it? Um, sorry, wingbacks. A wingback's job is twofold. They 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 have to get forward and support the attack, and they have to get back and defend. And while Sessegnon was doing that, what Christie was doing, I have absolutely no idea. 
Um, he seemed to get forward, and it reminded me a bit of when I used to play five-a-side, actually, just goal hang and don't bother getting back and defend. Yeah. Um, and that's what he did. And he was stood on the halfway line, wasn't he, for for that first goal? And then all of a sudden, before it was well, when it was too late, he decided to to try and run back. And before he got anywhere near the ball, it was it was in the back of the net. But praise praise to Arsenal. Um, uh, their fans were singing, "We've got our Arsenal back." And and best of luck to them. To be honest, they played very well, and they gave us a, a right masterclass in how to how to penetrate from midfield and be clinical in front of your chances. I've said before on this show that against the better teams, their players give eights, nines and tens out of ten. Then regardless of what our players give, we'll get we'll get nothing from the games. But we were nowhere near Arsenal's work rate yesterday. We were no, nowhere near them actually in the second half at all. We just stood there and admired. And um, really, we, we ended up getting what we deserved. Um, and you look at you look at the um, the possession as well. We 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 had forty nine percent. They had fifty one percent. But it seemed like they had a lot more. They they were far more clinical on the ball. So. Um, yeah, really frustrating. All right. And so, Matthew Baldwin, a.k.a. Mr. Reese, what were you thinking when you saw the starting lineup? Um, first of all, I'd like to say that I am also fond of Terry Angus, seeing as that's the way we're going with these things. But in terms of the lineup, I think Slav got it completely wrong. I think when you've got Arsenal coming to you and you know they're going to play, even though they're the away side, they're going to come with, you know, because they're the bigger side, they're the better side, they're going to come with a bit of attacking prowess. And when you've got the likes of Nacho Monreal on the left and Hector Bellerin on the right, I think to play a wing-back system, particularly you know an attacking wing-back system, with Christie up one side and Cession up the other, you're going to leave yourself exposed. And we got and we got exposed countless times on the weekend. I don't want a single Cyrus Christie out just because it, it, it's a team. It's a team effort. No one player is you know culpable for you know for five goals. Everyone had their you know everyone had their fault in the game. What I will say is that I think if we wanted to go with you know five at the back, I think we should have gone actually five at the back, you know, rather than this whole wing back three four three as it says on the Fulham website sort of thing. I personally would have gone for Dennis Adoy, the right back. And where's Alfie Mawson been? I know he's had his injury problems, but this is the kind of game that you you what was it twenty five million we paid for him. This is the kind of game that you want you want to play for. We saw that we could have caused we did cause Arsenal some problems. But we were just too weak at the back. And in that situation, I don't think Tim Ream and Dennis Adoy are up for the challenge of you know, dealing with the likes of Lacazette and Awobi and when he came on, um, uh, Aubameyang and Aaron Ramsey. I think Alfie Mawson is the person should have started, should have started the game with probably Le Marchand and Crocolis uh, thing of it. Yeah, Le Marchand alongside him in a back five, or if 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 you had to. We eventually went to a back four. We should have started either with a back four or a back five. None of this back three slash back five wing back system. It, I think I've said it before, and it's been said otherwise. Slav, I don't think, has a plan B. He has his way, and he's not going to change it for anyone. But he has to learn. And here we go. I'm going to mention the article, which I know got some blowback, but here we go. I said in the article, I think that he's a little bit naive in the way he manages the game. This isn't just about a Premier League thing. This is gone back to the championship years when we had games where we got beaten by Burton Albion when Birmingham turned us over, when Bristol scored, was it six times against us in the space of a week? I don't think he's very good at adapting to certain games. He has his way and it worked well in the championship last year. But if we're going to stay up this year, which I still think we will, and if we want to continue this system, I think it can keep us up. But if we want, you know, a much more relaxed April and May, if we want to be up by March, then I think we're going to have to change a few things. And the formation and the style of play is just going to have to go. Because I saw it a couple of times on on Sunday. We still are guilty of, you know, one pass too many. There's a couple of, there's a couple of times of when one pass... You know, just circumlocution is probably the is the way to is the way to describe it. One more pass than is absolutely necessary. When we should be playing a killer ball through, we're playing it wide or we're playing it down the channels. I think we need to be a little bit more a little bit more direct. All right, excellent. And that's very interesting because we're gonna talk about Slab a bit later on and what we're gonna do as a team with him. Now, Matt Beauclair, what I thought we played quite well in the first half. I thought the three-four-three was working, and we had some nice moments, including the Charlotte equaliser. I mean, do you think actually there were a lot of sign, a lot of positive signs in the first half? 
I mean, yeah, I guess I guess attacking wise, um, I, I I said to the guy who sits next to me actually, uh, it it was just just after they got their goal, um, and I'd just been thinking we look all right here, we look quite comfortable, and I yeah. thought I'm, I'm not going to say it just yet because they're on the attack, and with that the ball's in the back of the net. I I thought we looked okay going forward. We certainly started quite well. You know, we had that early chance with Vieto, and then um, I'm never confident when Vieto goes for on goal. I've said this before, and I, I knew he wasn't going to score when Arsenal made that um, sloppy pass where where he was in, and then Mitro had a chance, I think, and there were a couple of other chances. I can't I can't remember all of them, but you know, we were we were getting in some good positions, but we weren't ruthless enough in front of goal. But then just at the back, I mean, if, if you're going to attack well, you, you've got to, you've got to defend well as well, and you know. Christie, I know we don't want to single one player out, but he had a terrible game. He had a terrible game against Everton and he was he was shocking against Arsenal. And I guess I am going to single him out. I don't think he should be in the squad for the next game. And it's it's quite it's quite a a big statement because uh, Fosu Mens is out injured, and you know we're either going to end up playing um, Chambers or Adoy at right back um, if we don't play uh, if if we don't play Christie, but. You know, Stephen Sess was on the bench yesterday, and he's a right back. And whilst I don't, I don't think we should be chucking him right in at the deep end. Let's start integrating him into the side because I saw him in a in, a, in the friendly against Sampdoria in the summer, and he looked really good actually. I don't think he could possibly have, you know, put in a, a world class performance against Arsenal. Arsenal's a, a big ask, but he certainly couldn't have done any worse in that position than Christie. So. Um, yeah, it was an okay performance in the first half. Uh, one all at half time. You're thinking, come out in the second half, really take the game to him, dictate the play, um, and we just didn't. It was another another early goal in the second half, wasn't it? We've, we've done it so many times this season, conceded early goals at the start of halves. Yes. Um, and, and as as you guys said, we we changed the formation shortly afterwards when Kamara came on for Ream, and uh, took us to pieces. Exactly, and uh, I mean. I think Christie's getting it from all angles, including Alan Shearer at the moment. But he absolutely was a culprit for a lot of the mistakes that occurred on uh, on Sunday afternoon. Just lazy. Now, it looked like a really lazy performance, not bothering to track back, as he did against Everton last weekend. Really, really lazy. And I'm, I'm really frustrated by him. Like I say, I hope he's not in the squad for the next game. And Reese, would you say that uh, it was the change of formation that completely did us over in the end? Or was it bound to happen and eventually anyway what was the turning point for you right okay yeah i'll get to that point in a second but first of all i just want to touch on the side on the side of chrissy just one more just one more time of course the mate. reason he didn't track back was because he was put in a wing back role i think if as i've said if we'd gone to a back five or a back four with Cyrus chrissy as a right back then he would have been more defensively minded and he wouldn't have been left um if we'd gone with a back five or indeed a back four, then he wouldn't have tried to go up the pitch as often. He would have been more defensively minded. So I think again, it comes down to a fault in Slav's system and the way and the way that he wants to play. Sorry, what was the what was the other question? Uh, just re- just refresh my mind. I was basically just asking: at what point do you think uh, everything went wrong for us? Was it the change of formation, or was it always an accident waiting to happen with our team? I think it was always an accident waiting to happen. Um, as I said, Arsenal you know, are a very good side. They've obviously. Was it now eight wins in a row, nine wins in a row? I forget. I honestly don't care. Um, they, they've obviously had their... Um, they've obviously started to click under Unai Emery. And this is a result that would have happened, you know, back in uh, the old Premier League uh, Premier League days. You know, I've seen us lose 4-0 to Arsenal. I've seen us lose 3-0 to Arsenal. Again, the 4-5 season, we we held our own for the first... It, it's, a, it's a similar thing. We held our own for the first time. And then once they got one... Then the floodgates open. There's just there's only so much you can do. But as I've said, we could have done something to prevent it, even if we just lessen the scoreline. Um, mm. Instead of going, instead of losing five one, maybe lose two one or three one. It was we were. I, I was never confident going into the game. I thought we were always going to lose. But I think it's the manner that the manner of the way we lost that's sort of uh, frustrating a few people rather than the actual result. Okay, very good. And there is this angel on my shoulder that keeps being incredibly optimistic that keeps saying it's okay these results are meant to happen we're not meant to lo- we're not meant to win against arsenal we're not meant to win against them we're not meant to win against man city and we're not meant to win against spurs but there is i just sort of want to shoot that angel in the face and just say no we shouldn't be losing like this now mr Beauclair, do you think i mean is 
should is that angel right at all on my shoulder or should we really just actually not be standing for any of these types of results at all there's there's the argument to say that you don't get relegated by losing at home to arsenal losing at everton losing away at man city and losing away at tottenham what relegates you is the results against the teams around you you know you hear it hear it said time and time again and we lost to crystal palace we drew with watford um we drew with brighton we're not beating enough of the teams around us. I mean, we've only won one in the first eight games. We're not winning enough games and we're shipping a lot of goals. And that's got to be a concern, regardless of who it's against. You know, the, the next three games coming up are potentially winnable. But then you think one of them's against Bournemouth, who've just won 4-0 at Watford. And potentially their strikers are going to have a field day against our defence unless we can consort something out. And then after those three games, it's Liverpool. So... Really, looking at it, I'm thinking confidence is low. Where's the next win coming from at the moment? It's a, it's a real worry. And whilst we can, all, we can all be as optimistic as we like, but the, the, the facts and figures are there in front of us for all to see. And we've won one once in, in eight games. And it, it is concerning. Mm. And Reese, would you say that the problems here is that the side is still new and still gelling? Or have we actually got a more serious problem than that and most of our players are out of their depth at this level? What do you think? It's a, it's a little bit of both. Um, I, I've been critical of Slav, you know, the way that he, he... 12 signings, I think, wasn't, you know, wasn't great the way he handled it over the summer. And it's, it's, it has created a problem because, yeah, we are starting to gel. Uh, we are well, no, we're struggling to gel, rather. But also, some of the players that we brought up weren't, I don't think, I still maintain, weren't Premier League quality. I, I've said this again, Tim Ream and Dennis Adoy, I don't think are Premier League centre-backs. I honestly don't think they are. Alfie Mawson and Callum Chambers, I think, are. Now, obviously, Callum Chambers was ineligible because he was with us on loan. But you've got to find the right balance. But the way that Slav has got, and I know we have the injury crisis with Fossey Mensah and Brian, we've got to find a settle. We've got to find a settled system and try to play it as much as we can. But even without the injuries, this he's still not quite. I don't think he knows. I don't think he knows what his best side is. And the fact that we're saying that in October is worrying. You know, you, what we, you know what you said earlier. You know, we're meant to be losing the likes uh, to Arsenal, to Man City, to Spurs. Um, it's the way that we've lost them. That's the issue. If we'd have gone out, uh, played the way we you know, played the way we did um, last season and, you know, got a 2-1 defeat against Arsenal or lost to Man City 2-0 or something, then people would be confident and saying, right, the way we're doing it, it's going to work. You know, stuff those results but this way, it can work in the Premier League. I don't think our style of play and the players he's got in are quite there yet. So I think it's it's a mixture of gelling and again, some players just aren't good enough at this level and we've got to try and find a balance. Excellent, excellent. And talking about players that you don't think are quite at this level, uh, Mr. Boclair, how about Anguissa? I mean, we've spoken a lot about him, especially on the WhatsApp for the Fulham Focus Group afterwards. I mean, what are your views on him? Do you, does he look like a £30 million player to you or is he a possible scapegoat for our problems? <laughs> it's impossible to say that a player looks like a £30 million player after your side's just been thrashed 5-1 at home. But I don't <laughs> yeah. think you can just blame um, Anguissa. I thought he looked okay yesterday. He reminds me of Booba Diop a little bit. You know, his frame and the way he plays, he's quite gangly. He's, he's you know, he sticks a boot in and he's quite quick with his with his movement as well. Okay, not, not everything he, he tried came off yesterday um, against Arsenal, but... I thought he showed for the ball a lot more than than other players did. And if we're going to be really critical, I mean, we can pick on the players that were in the in the championship with us all we like. But Seri, he went missing yesterday, um, and I know I've I've said this before, but he's meant to be a marquee signing. He's meant to be a big player. He was touted for Barcelona. We were supposed mm. to be really lucky to have signed him because Chelsea and Arsenal were interested in him. But after half-time yesterday, where, you, where you're looking for your big players to really come on and make an impact in the game, where was he? He was nowhere. And I'd expect him to be driving the team forward. Not just him, probably Anguissa as well. Maybe Scherler as well, who I also really like. Um, and certainly Mitrovic as well, leading from the front. I thought that was his worst game in a Fulham shirt yesterday. I think it's really easy to pick on um, certain players who... Um, who we who we generally pick on uh, every week when when things have gone wrong. But these other players are they immune from criticism as well? Come on, Mitrovic, he 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 
half-heartedly jump for a couple of balls yesterday. All right, we were losing, but I still expect them to fight to the death and really, really try to win win the ball. Even at 3-1 down, we're still in with a chance. Um, and I, 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 I just think we're singling players out, but I think there's a lot of players out there who, who will get away from, from criticism when really they, they should be getting a bollock in as well. Well, you go. You mentioned criticism there. I mean, which players shone out to you, Mr. Reese? I mean, I'm hearing that uh, Adoy had a good game and Vieto had a good game. What are your thoughts on that? And are there any particular more culprits you'd like to point out who have really had a stinker on Sunday? I think the whole team had a stinker. If we wanted to you know, give every, give everyone a rate, I can't see any player. Maybe Andre Scherler. Maybe Andre Scherler. I can't see anyone else getting higher, again, higher than a 5 out of 10. If I'm being, if I'm being really honest, Cess, I, I honestly didn't, I, I didn't see him all that much. Again, he's another one that sort of went missing, went, went missing a bit. You know, I'll admit, you know, I, you know, being, I, I couldn't afford to go to the game, so I didn't go. I didn't hear his name mentioned once uh, on the BT mm. Sport coverage. I didn't hear his name mentioned once, other no, than oh, isn't he a great player? I never heard him like Cessignon getting the ball in. I. I didn't. I didn't see all that much from him, to be brutally honest. I, I don't want to be too critical on him yet, but I honestly question whether or not he's, you know, good enough to start. Yes, he's the wonder boy. Yes, he's meant to be the next great thing. But is he, uh, is he um, talented enough and you know physically strong enough to be starting in the Premier League? But I'll be honest. I don't think so. Matt Buckler, how do you respond to that, mate? Um, yeah, I, I thought he had a reasonable game yesterday, to be honest. I thought he um, he got forward well. I thought he, he came back and he covered covered well as well. And and if you're talking about playing wing-backs, I, I thought he was a far more effective wing-back than, um, than Christie was because we know how, how much he likes to get forward. And it, it's easy to criticise the defensive side of his game as well because it probably wasn't quite there last season. But... I think he's coming on in leaps and bounds in in that position, and and that's that's obviously the position he's seen to be um, groomed for, if you like, um, for for his future. I think he'll be an attacking attacking left back. Um, I thought I thought he was probably our man of the match, in all honesty, against Arsenal. And you know, it's, it's difficult to pick a man of the match when you've lost five one. But he was he was one player I thought who had a good game. Um, and I don't necessarily think that's been the case every time this season, as as Reece said. But um, against Arsenal, I, I thought he did okay. Yeah, and what a, it's a very very nice feeling actually when we saw Schurler at the start of the match embracing Obama Yang and uh, Mkhitaryan as old Dortmund mates as well. That was that was a nice touch and a nice reminder of what a great player we've got on our hands, um, Mr. Reese. Uh, we spent 13 years in the Premier League, and. You know, we should know this division pretty well, but I'm just interested in your opinion. Is the gulf between the top sides and sides of our side and clubs of our size, you know, is it about the same as it used to be, or is it even smaller now? No, uh, the gulf has increased, and you've seen, you can see that in the past couple of years. I think it may have been the year Leicester won the league, where the team that finished eighth. So you had the, you had Leicester winning the league, and then you had the rest of the top six coming second to seventh. And I think the team that finished eighth got 45 points. Yeah, the gulf between the top six, you want to have, if you want to have Everton in at seven, you can. I personally don't. But the gulf between that, what it used to be and what it is now, like we finished eighth, ninth, uh, occasionally we finished seventh once, obviously. Um, it's just gotten so far. It, I don't want. I don't want to go on a, on a sort of rant about how you know money's ruined the game and everything, but financial fair play and all that stuff has made you know the rich got richer, the poor didn't really quite catch up. So it's it's created a much bigger gulf where you know we were competitive when even when we were going down, we were competitive against the likes of Arsenal. I think we beat them in two thousand eleven twelve. Uh, we narrowly, you know, we we could have got some points in 2013-14, the year we went down. We've had good performances against those big sides, whereas now a team like us and a team of our size and stature, and this is not just as this is, you know, the rest of the bottom half slash bottom 13 of the Premier League. The gulf is just far too wide for us to really do anything proper. It's why, you know, people talk about, you know, the second Premier League. You know, there's the top six slash seven for everyone else. And then the rest of us just, you know, the only way we can ever get results is, you know, picking points off each other. We're never going to get points off the big boys. 
Ah, very good. And funny you mentioned points. Now I'm going to go on to you, Mr. Buclair. The next three matches after the international break, the very much needed international break, are Cardiff away, Bournemouth at home and Huddersfield away. Now, how many points do you think we're capable of getting from these games? And do you see us actually keeping any clean sheets? Is there some serious work to be done? Well, I think we're capable of winning all those matches. Um, with the players that we've got, we are capable of getting nine points from Cardiff away, Bournemouth at home, Huddersfield away. Uh, Cardiff are yet to win. And it's it's probably quite foolish to look at this game and think that it's perfectly set up for a Cardiff win. That's exactly. probably what we're all thinking in the back of our minds. But I think this is an attitude that we've got to drop as supporters because we're we're culpable for being really negative um, when really we should be thinking how best we can get behind the team to get the best out of them. So I think we've got to be looking at that Cardiff game and thinking their their team's changed a little bit since last season, uh, as has ours. Um, but after that, um, that, that competition that we had with them to fight for second place where they just narrowly pipped us to the post. Um, I think we've really got to try and put one over on them this time. We've got to go there and we've got to win and win big. And hopefully hopefully we can sort the defence out in, in time to, to go there and, to, and go and get a result. Bournemouth are on a fantastic run, as I said earlier, and they're exceeding all expectations and good for them. They're, they're a nice little club. Um, and I don't mean that in a patronising way. You know, they they're, haven't got a, a huge stadium and they're, they're performing fantastically. Um, small small fish in, in a big pond. And they've formed something we really should be looking to find and, and to emulate. And then Huddersfield away is another place where we've had some good results over the years. Um, at the end of the season, they're going to be near the bottom of the league. Um, and it's one we've really got we've really got to go and win as well. So they're, they're vital three games for us. Um, I was listening to 606 at the weekend and Robbie Savage, of all people, was talking during the the Manchester United Newcastle game when when United were two down about how this is a pivotal moment in the career of Jose Mourinho, and I think these these three games are a pivotal moment in in Slav's uh, managerial career as well because it's really going to show if he's up to the up to the task of taking a taking a team up to the Premier League and then when they're getting them onto the next level, these three games couldn't come at a more perfect time for us. Excellent, mate. Excellent, and Mr. Reese. Three games, how many points? How do you see it? And can Slav turn this around in three games' time? Yeah, just to touch on what uh, what Mr. Beclair said earlier, are we being negative or are we just being realistic in regards to what we have? Are we just negative or are we actually, you know, are actually waking up to the fact that, hang on, we may not be all that good rather than being caught up? Because there's still a little bit of a honeymoon period of we played so great last year, 23-23 undefeated, and that day out at Wembley. Are we just slowly waking up to the fact that, hang on, we may not actually be that good? Like one of the power rankings I saw after the transfer after transfer window had us the eighth best team in the Premier League which was absolute nonsense. And a lot of people saying, oh yeah, safety is more or less guaranteed now. Are we just waking up to the fact that we're not that good? In regards to the games going forward, um, Cardiff, I think we should be able to win. We should be able to win easily. And I think we will win easily. I think there's only so much, you know, as much as I said that our style of play has limitations, Cardiff City style of play has even more limitations. If you've seen if you've seen the way they've gone about things, I said last year, it works very well in the championship. It won't work very well in the Premier League. Just calm yourself down about their poo house football. They'll get found out eventually. Don't worry about them. Uh, in regards to Bournemouth, once we get that win over Cardiff, and I think it's a, I think it's a when, not an if. When we get that win over Cardiff, that's going to be the little bit of that boost, that momentum that's going to finally start to get us going, especially if we do, uh, the, if we be kind of convincingly, say a 3-0 or 3-0 or a 4-0, which I think we're very capable of doing. Now, what's interesting about the Huddersfield game is A, it's on a Monday night, but B, we play Manchester City in the League Cup the game before. So what mm. kind of team is Slav going to put out? Does he think, hang on, Pep's going to go slightly easier on us because, you know, they've, they've got bigger fish to fry as much as Pep wants to win everything. Let's face it, the League Cup is not number one on his priority list. Is he going to give the young guys a go? In which case, hang on, let's try and, let's try and you know, keep the momentum going. Beat Man City, even if it's a second string series. Even if it's a, uh, a second string side, we still say, hey, we beat Man City. Do we get put out a strong team then? And then consequently, what does the what's the team that he goes out and uh, go picks against Huddersfield on the Monday night? 
I think we can get nine points out of it. I think we will get seven out of it. I can't. I think we're honestly going to, you know, our waveform seems to, you know, uh, have uh, uh, we seem to have picked up our waveform uh, from what we used to do in the Premier League years before we went down, which was quite poor. We've seemed to have picked that up again. Um, I think that's going to be, you know, our, our, our weakness this year. I think Huddersfield is no as bad as they've been this year. They showed last year when the time comes, they can get decent results every now and then. And I think they're very, very dangerous at home. So we need to be be aware for that. I think we can get nine. I think we'll get seven, but we shouldn't be disheartened if we only get six. All right, very good, mate. Very good indeed. And so, Mr. McClare, on to you. Um, one thing we probably both noticed, um, there was huge frustration at the end of the game. But despite that, we didn't hear much booing. And is there right to be patient with Slav here? Danny Boy said to me, he said, this is the second season in a row now that, uh, that Mr. Jokanovic has basically been a slow, very slow starter. And we should have been automatically promoted twice uh, in both years of the championship. Uh, what is the plan now for him, do you think? What is Slav thinking? before he goes to bed. Is he going to continue with this style of play or is it time to seriously get a bit real and have his fullbacks be a bit tighter and a bit more defensively minded? I wonder at the moment um, whether or not the players actually understand the system he's trying to play. Interesting. Uh, because there's there's so many gaps between attack and midfield. And it's, I, th- I think I said to you yesterday, J-Matt, that, that if you're going to play five at the back and, and your wing-backs don't do their job effectively enough, then you're just so narrow through the middle. Um, and I, I just, I just wonder whether whether the players know what know exactly what Jokanovic is is trying to get out of this. Um, so I'd say to him, you've got to pick your best team first and foremost. And I think we're starting to see more of that now, so that's good. Um, but you've got to stick to your guns. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have Vieto in the side at all. I think, um, I think he flatters to deceive. Uh, like I've said before, I think I think he'd, he'd make a good impact sub, but I don't really see what he offers a team when he's on the pitch, apart from running at players and, and then having no end product. And I think I think the key thing for for Slav at the moment is being willing to adapt the tactics that he's employing to suit the opposition that we're playing against, and being flexible enough to have a, a plan B against the top sides as well. So let's not turn up and try and out football the top teams because we're not good enough to do that. We've tried it and it's not working. So we really need to have another look and think, what can we do? Could we could we possibly get some more players in and around Mitro um, and play the ball up to him a bit earlier so he can hold the ball up and then have some players running off him? Um, the problem, I think, at the moment is a combination of, of players not playing well enough and not concentrating hard enough. I don't think the fact that it's a new side um, washes anymore. I think the, the honeymoon period's over. But as you said, there's no booing at the end of the game, despite the fact that we got an absolute pasting. Um, so the, the the supporters are still on on board and still on side. Players like Christian Vieto, they've they've got a lot to do to convince me that they're up to standard at this level. We got ever so excited about the money that we spent in the summer and the number of players players that we ended up bringing in. But every every club has has brought new and good players in. Perhaps they haven't spent what we've spent, but this is this is such a tough league, and and everyone's got players who can hurt you. So time will tell if we spent wisely enough or not. Um, yeah, I've, 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 that's all I've got to say, really. I think I've, I've, I really hope we can get something out of the next three games. I really do. Nice one, mate. And Mr. Reese, so Jokanovic or Jokantovic, can he get away with playing his style of football but not parking the bus? Do you have faith that he will find some sort of, some sort of way of being attacking yet being organised? I have faith. I don't... I, uh... If I'm if I'm being brutally honest, I, I'm sort of mm-hmm. talked out about formations and what can or kind of. I think I think I've I've said as much as I can say what I as much as much I sort of want to say. What I will say is, I, you know, I've been critical of Slavin the part. I think there is there is something in there. There is something in him that we can get out of this little rut. There is something that it's whether or not he will, whether or not you know, we can go to an information. You know, when the team came out. Uh, when the line, so I thought I thought it was a four three two one, so it was something to match what Arsenal, you know, were going to do. I think that could be could be a system we go with going forward. But do I think that's what's going to happen going forward? I 
I honestly don't know. I don't know whether or not Slav is willing enough to try a plan B or if he's just so stubborn in his ways to think, no, this way can work, this way will work. Um, yeah, I, th- I think I've said I think I've said as much as I can really say, really say on the matter without repeating myself ad nauseum. Fair enough. Well, in which case then, seeing as we have all we're pretty slaved out, let's just have a quick slavish action rating from both of you. So to you, Buclair, out of ten, what do you give Slav? Uh I've gone for four this week. Mm. Um tried something new. Then he then he didn't stick to his guns and I thought he changed it too early. Um perplexing substitutions this week. I don't really understand why he bought McDonald on for Angisa. It's like bringing on a, a slower version of what you've already got on the pitch. Um, and presumably took Vieto off for um, Johansson at the end, just going through the motions. I don't really understand that substitution either, especially with the score being what it was. So four out of 10, I'm afraid. Very good. And for you, Reese? Uh, I'm on I'm, I'm a similar sort of end. I'm on a you know, three. If I'm, yeah. if I'm being really honest, and most of it, you know, the way the way he set out and the way that he sort of dealt with things mid-game, it was it was just it was just a, it was just a frustrating day overall. All right, excellent. All right, guys. Well, that is it for the analysis of that game. But we have some more uplifting news on the other side of this. We have the quiz. Fulham. Hello and welcome back to the Fulham Focus Podcast. Now it's time for eternal glory for one of my co-hosts. We are about to play the quiz. And if you're playing along at home, you can get a maximum of 31 points. And for these gentlemen, on to my left and to my right, metaphorically speaking, of course, they can get 21 points each. All right. So this is round one and it's called Guess the Figure. Now this, lads, is going to be where one of you have to guess the right number. So the first question is... How many points did we have after eight games in our first Premier League season back in 2001? And I'm going to go to you, Mr. Reese, first. What do you think it is? Crikey. I can't, I can't even remember that far back. The only, thing I know, the only thing I know from that is we lost 3-2 at Old Trafford first day. Um, mm. Crikey. Eight games. I, I, I can't even remember the fixtures apart from that first one. I'm going to say six. Okay. Reese is going with six. And Mr. Boclair, what do you think? I feel like it was more than that. I'm going to say, unlucky for some, 13. It was seven. So, Reese, you have won that round. Yes, the answer is seven. But we only had one win, uh, just like we have at the moment. Uh, We had one win, four draws, and three defeats against Aston Villa, Arsenal, and Manchester United. All right. So, Reese is winning 1-0 currently. Question two. And it's the same again for guessing the number. How many caps does Danny Murphy have for England? Mr. Boclair, I'll go to you first. Uh, I'm going to go 13 again. Okay, he's going for... And for you, Mr. Reese. I don't think he got that many, because during that time, it would have been Gerard and Nicky Butt in midfield. Gerard and Skulls in midfield. Uh, I, don't think he went to, I don't think he went to the World Cup. I'm going to, I'm going to say his lesson. I'm going to say five. Right. Guys, we have a tie. Because <laughs> it's nine. So you're, ba- you're both four away exactly, if I'm correct. Five, six, seven, eight, nine. Nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. Exactly. So I'm going to give you a point each for that. Why not? So, Yay. two, one. Question three. We're still on guess the number. How many bookings have we had so far this season? Ooh. And I'll go to you, Mr. Reese, first. We're pretty well disciplined, side. It must be said. We have... Don't think we've had a red. We haven't had a red card yet, have we? Um, so pretty well disciplined because seven. Mr. Reese is going for seven. And for you, Mr. McClare. Let's stick with the same number, shall we? I'm going to go thirteen again. (laughs) Thirteen. You are absolutely one hundred percent correct. We have had thirteen bookings so far this season. Congratulations, Mr. McClare. It is two all. Now, question four. Guess the number again. Louis Saha has scored more goals than any other Fulham player in the new millennium. How many did he score in all competitions? Mr. Boclet. It was more than 13, I'll say that. So don't try going <laughs> to... <laughs> Quiet, you. Um, so when did it be added in? Oh, my goodness me. Four, four seasons or so, was it? Um, let's go 67. 
And you, Mr. Reese? 58. The answer is 64. So, Proclare takes the lead there, I'm afraid. Clint Dempsey is second with 60 goals, just so you know. There you go. So, Proclare is on three. Mr. Reese is on two. All right, we're on to round two, gentlemen. It is back and forth. Now, the question is, name one of the top 10 Fulham players with the most games won in the Premier League. So I'll go to each and every one of you. So it goes back and forth and you can see if you can try and guess one of them, okay? Out of the top 10 Fulham players with the most games won in the Premier League. All right, and you can get a maximum of five points each here. All right, five points each. Right, so I will go to you, Mr. Reese. Give us a Who guess. Who came up with this stuff? What, Danny where's boy. All these, where did all these ideas for rounds come from? Danny boy. Right, Danny, right, okay. Mark Schwarzer. Mark Schwarzer, that is correct. Excellent. One point for Mr. Reese. Mark Schwarzer had 55, he won 55 games with Fulham. Excellent. And what does that rank in the top 10? I'm just curious. His fifth, my friend. Fifth, okay. I'll release the rankings at the end. Mr. Oh, McClare, yes. your guess. Uh, Clint Dempsey. That is correct. 56 games he won. Mr. Reese, next guess. Probably plays around the same time period. Breda Hangeland. That is correct. With 72. 72 wins for Fulham. Mr. McClare. Danny Murphy. That is correct. He had 53. Excellent. And for you, Mr. Reese, I'll go with Brady's partner, Aaron Hughes. That is even more correct. He is second and he won 60 games for Fulham. All right. Next guest from you, please, Mr. Beauclair. Oh, I'm struggling here a little bit. Mm. Um, Van der Sar? Unfortunately not. Van der Sar is 11th place, joint 11th place with a mystery player. And he only had 40 wins for Fulham. Sorry, oh, mate. Okay. Now, Reese, never guess. Uh, I got three guess. Uh, if Brayden, no, Brayden, no, he left. I'm trying to think if Brayden Hanglin is got second most. Who would have played a lot with him? Oh, Simon Davis. Unfortunately, not Simon Davis is fifteenth. He only won thirty-seven games with Fulham. I'm sorry, Brocklair, you have. A number of chances left here. <laughs> well, hang on. Oh, is that all it? We're not eliminated after after all the guesses. We no, you, you, get, we... you get five guesses each, and oh, okay. uh, so you get a potential of five points. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, exactly. So, Mr. Beauclair. Bowamorte. Yes, he did. He is sixth place and 53 points. Wonderful. And uh, Mr. Reese, another guess from you. I so believe this is your final guess. This is my final guess. I'm looking at I'm looking at the 0910 team. I've got them in a post on my wall. I'm trying to think if there's any clues coming out of that. <laughs> um Chris Baird was with us for a long time. But was yeah, Chris Baird. I'll go with Chris Baird. Chris Baird. Final answer. Chris Baird, unfortunately, is joint 11th with Edin van der Sar, so you do not get a point for that, Mr. Reese. I am terribly sorry. Mr. McClare, this is your final, final go, final guess. That's Steve Malbronk. That is correct. He was third place with 59 games won. Excellent. So, let's check the scores for so far. Reese, you are on 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. And Mr. McClare is on 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. So, wow. hang on. So, in order, what, were the number, what was 1 to 10? In one to ten, of course. So, number one was Breda Hangeland with 72 wins. Number two was Hughes with 60 wins. Number three was Malbronk with 59 wins. Number four was Dempsey with 56. Five was Schwarzer, 55. Six was Boa Morte with 53. Seven was Danny Murphy with 53. Eight was Knight with 46. Nine was McBride. No way. Yeah, nine was McBride with 43. And ten was Duff with 41. Excellent. Right. How the hell has that night got more wins than Chris Baird? That's I don't a disgrace. know. I don't know. I just read the answers, man. I just read I the know, answers. but my word. All right. So, round three. The transfer price is right. Now, this is where you guys have to guess the transfer fee for each of these players from their certain clubs that joined us. All right. So, Musa Dembele. Mr. Beauclair, I'll go to you first. 
Guess the transfer fee for Moussa Dembele the first. Uh, 4.5 million. Maybe 4.5 million. And for you, Mr. Reese. 3.2. The answer is 5.4. 5.4 million. So Beauclair gets the point. That's right. He signed from... We bought him from AZ Alkmaar. Next question. Or next player, rather. Berbatov. What was the fee, Mr. Reese, for Berbatov from Man United? It was relatively cheap. Mm. Why am I getting? Why am I getting the feeling in the back of my mind he was a free? I'm gonna say I, what, what, <laughs> I, I think he was a free transfer, and I don't know why. I'm gonna say okay. a free transfer. Okay, he's going with free transfer, Mister Beauclair. Um, I don't think he was free. I don't remember him being free. Um, I reckon he was about five million. He was 4.5 million from Man United. That is another point for Beauclair. Excellent. All right. I don't know why I thought it was free. There's something in the back of my mind. Anyway, carry on. <laughs> next, play, next, next player for you, Mr. Beauclair. Radzinski. One of my least favourite players. Three and a half. Three and a half. You, Mr. Reese. 2.7. He was exactly 2.7 from Everton. <laughs> well done, Mr. Reese. Do I not get a bonus well point? Do I not get a bonus I'm going to give you a bonus point because I feel sorry for you because you're losing. Yeah. <laughs> right. All right. And finally, Edwin van der Sar for you, Mr. Reese. Mm, 9.4. 9.4. Okay. And for you, Mr. Buckler. I think he was 7 million. He was 9.27 million from Juve. I'm afraid he was. So that is another point for Mr. Reese. So we are 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. 8 points for Reese. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. 9 points for Beauclair. It's getting tasty. All right. Now we have round four. Name the list. So this is where I'm going to ask for a set number. Mr. Reese, I'll go with you first. Which set of questions would you like? Set one or set two? Two. Never lose. Who never lose? Excellent. All right. So we will start with set one, and I will go to you, Mr. Beauclair. Who were the last five players to score last season? You get a possibility of five points for each person here. The last five players to score last season for Fulham in the championship. Okay. Are we including the playoffs? I guess, I guess we will. We are, yeah. So let's, let's go Kearney, Adoy. Yes. yes. Sessegnon. Yes. Mitrovic. Yes. And Johansson. I think I know. I think I know. Well, you can't come in. These are his questions. But I think I know. You can't. Is it Johansson? Is that your final answer? Well, it's obviously wrong, but I can't (laughs) think. (laughs) Fine. Unfortunately, you nearly got five out of five there. The last one was Piazon. You were right with Kenny, Adoy, Sessegnon, and Mitrovic. It was oh, Piazon, the last Sunderland. game versus yeah, Sunderland. Yeah. Oh, oh, thank it God. Was... I thought it was Kevin McDonald. I'm glad I got that one. <laughs> oh, you're thinking Millwall. Right, okay. <laughs> right, set two. This is for you, Mr. Reese. Okay. Since our next game is against Cardiff, name the five Welsh players to play for Fulham in the Premier League. Mark Crossley, Kit Simons, or Simmons. Uh, Chris Coleman, Mark Pembridge, Simon Davis. That is five out of five, of course. Can can we have a point off uh, correcting himself to the wrong answer for Kit Simons? Mm, Yeah, (laughs) I'm I'm going to do that. that. It's Kit Simons. Fine, I'm going to take one off just because I gave you a bonus one. I'm cancelling out his bonus point, so that actually is fair. All right, excellent. Okay, now it's the bonus round. We have one guess each, guys. And one of these answers is worth three points. One of these answers is worth two points. And one of these answers is worth one point. Okay, so which Premier League club have we played the most games against in all competitions? And Mr. Beauclair, I'll go to you first. Which Premier League club have we played the most games against in all competitions? Yes. Oh, um... One guess each. I have absolutely no idea. Um, Manchester United. Manchester United. Unfortunately, that is not either of the three. Okay, Mr. Reese, on to you. A chance to get some extra points here. Which Premier League club have we played the most games against in all competitions? Trying to think who I'm trying to think who's been with us 
back in the years of divisions one, two, and three. Who did we? Who would we have played a lot bouncing around there? I'm going to say Manchester City. Unfortunately, that is not there either. So none of you have got any bonus points here. So the correct answers would have been Burnley. We have played 84 times. That would have got you three points. The next one was West Ham, who we've played 82 times. That would have got you two points. And the last one was Wolves, which would have got you one single point. And we have played them 80 times. And just a fun fact for you, Watford, we have played the least. We have played them 20 times. All right. So let me just count up these scores, gentlemen. I can announce that the winner is Matt Boisclair with 13 points, winning by one digit margin with Reese with 12. So, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. He won by 13 points. He, he, he won 13. by 13. You got 13 after, points and you got 12. After guessing all those 13 ones at the beginning, I'm calling a fix. I'm, I'm calling it's a not a fix. You even had the advantage of all the Welsh players, Nate. Just, just imagine if you'd have pronounced Kit Simon's name right, it would have been a draw. I know. Yeah. So, never mind. Right. So, your prize, Mr. Beauclair, to honour his retirement. Congratulations. You won a frame. And inside that frame is John Terry's autograph. And on (laughs) John Terry's autograph is a contract stating he should not play against Chelsea after beating Fulham in the playoff final. A fabulous gift to hang on your wall. And funny enough, I found it in a skip outside the Birmingham Job Centre only a couple of days ago, which is fantastic. It had SB written all over it for some reason. So that is the quiz. Congratulations, Mr. <laughs> Congratulations, Mr. Beauclair. You can't on... keep a great face during that, can you? No, I can't. I'm sorry. It's just too That's good. pretty good. That's it's a pretty damn good price. Thank you very much. All right. Okay. So we've got some more after this. Fulham. Hello and welcome back to the Fulham Focus podcast. Now, Marcus Bettinelli, second call-up for England. This is fantastic news. Fantastic news to have Marcus. He completely deserves it from his career and what he's done from the start. He's gone from Croydon to Dartford to back and forth and he's finally, finally made the national squad again twice. Albeit in the reserves or on the bench, it doesn't matter. So fantastic news, but I have a question for you, Mr. Reese. Is this bad time? for our goalkeeper, our number one, it seems, to be going away on England duty. Yes, absolutely. And it's something that we discussed on the very much coveted Fulham uh, Fulham Focus WhatsApp group. You're all welcome to try and join in, but unfortunately you'll be declined. Um, It's something we talk about. If he's only going to be there to basically be a glorified ball boy, which is all he is going to be as his full choice. If this was a friendly, then you'd think maybe he got well, friendlies. You'd think maybe he'd have the chance to, you know, get 30 minutes at the end of the second game sort of thing. But the fact that it's two competitive games means that Jordan Pickford's going to be playing 180 minutes and Mark Spenner is going to be sitting on the bench for all of it. Is he going to be learning, you know, additional tips and skills from whoever the England goalkeeping coach is? It's not Vic, is it? The England goalkeeping coach? No, I don't think so. No, I don't think so. Well, would have been great. Would have been great if it was. But anyway, he's not going to be learning... No, he may be learning something, but what I'd rather, what I personally would rather have, and as you say, it's great that we've got players being called up for the national squad. Even if it is England, I'm always happy to see any Fulham player play and get called up and be recognised by the national country. I Fine, go for it. But given the situation we are in now, where we need to work on the defence, I would rather, you know, Slav say, not, not exactly pull him out, you know, like Fergie did with Giggs back in the day, but just say, Marcus, look at the situation. What's going to be more valuable to you? Helping us stay up or helping put the cones out for Jordan Pickford uh, at St. George's Park for a week? I would rather he stayed with us and worked on whatever. you know, Because none of the other, um, as far as I'm aware, none of the other players have been picked for their country. Maybe Tim Ream for the USA. I'm not 100% sure. I'd much rather have him at Motspur Park working on right this is what we need to do in certain situations with the defence because our defence is terrible at the moment. I'd much rather have him there rather than St. George's Park. That's me personally, but obviously, you know, it's his choice. And, you know, as I've said, well done to him for being selected. See, I grew up in a time when our players weren't anywhere near the England squad. We were we were awful for years and years in, in the 90s. So I think it's great. I think it's fantastic that, that our number one goalkeeper has been called up to the England squad. It's fantastic. We've had a few call-ups over the years, Sean Davis that night, Bullard, Zamora, um, but they weren't regularly called up. And maybe Betts won't get called up regularly as well. Certainly not if we keep keep, keep conceding five goals every game. Um, and I know he's down the pecking order, but to have him in and around the England squad, you know, 
the England squad's currently in the good books of the nation after after the World Cup antics as well. It, it's got to be good for him and for Fulham, and even more so for him. I think it's he it probably probably quite enjoy getting out of the pressured environment that is the Fulham training ground at the moment. Let's get those defenders working on defending and, and you know keeping keeping the ball out and uh, away from him. Um, I, I think it's a great a great bit of news that he's called up. All right then, here here, and so Marcus, just make sure you come back in one piece, enjoy it, and come back better than you already are. Thank you very much. And now, gentlemen, we have the post two thousand FFC International Eleven, or what I like to call the naughty FFC International Eleven. You know, the naughties two thousand. Excellent. You're proud of so, yourself. Yeah, um, I, I feel I feel much better after that. Much much better. Now, so my co-hosts have come up with a team of Fulham players that have played for the club since 2000 that they have been capped by their country. Now the rules are as follows. Only you're only allowed one player per country. So for example, you could only have one of McBride or Dempsey, not both. The players must be in their proper position. The players will be in a 4-3-3 formation to suit Slav's needs and tactically you must be able to play together. So for example, you would need three players who could play up front together in a 4-3-3 and not expect Mitrovic to play wide left to accommodate Saha, for example. All right, we'll go to you, Mr. Reese, and we'll go to you after Buclair. We'll go positions at a time. And we'll start with goalkeeper. All right, Mr. Reese, what have you got? I think this one's pretty obvious. He's the, been the best goalkeeper that Fulham has ever had. It's Edwin van der Sar. Of course, Mr. VDS, of course. Now, Buclair, for you as well, I imagine? Yeah, I, I agree. He's probably one of my favourite Fulham players ever. And my mum's, actually. She, she loved uh, van der Sar. Still, she still does. She's not dead. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> Long may she reign. Absolutely <laughs> colossus goalkeeper. What he signed for us for, I'm, I'm not sure. He could have had his pick of all the top clubs, and we just come up to the Premier League or Premiership as it was. Um, top, top signing, top goalkeeper, and yeah, there, there's no debate there. I reckon we had something on his family for no, to leave Juventus to come to Fulham. We we had something on his family. We, well, we Buffon, Buffon had just signed for Juventus, hadn't he? So that's that's why he left. Oh, yeah. That's why he picked us instead of anybody else. I don't know, but great that he did. I loved watching him. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. All right, right back. Mr. Reese, go. Um, He's in there, A, for the way he played, and B, just for the sheer fan love that he got. It's John Pansil. Mm, and for you, Mr. Buclair. John Pansil, that's good. Buclair. Oh, I can't have that. I can't have that. He was an all right <laughs> defender. He was an all right right back um, in a quite successful side. But Steve Finnan's our, one of our one of our best ever right backs. Steve Finnan for me, and he made the wing back position look easy. By the way, we were talking about wing backs earlier, but in the Kevin Keegan season, he made that look effortless. Um, mm-hmm. I think he's the only ever player that we've had in the Premier League, if I'm right in saying so, that made it into the Premier League XI at the end of the season. Absolutely brilliant right back. Streets ahead of John Pansil, I'm afraid. I should, I should probably disclose that I, I sort of uh, imposed my own rule on this. Is Basically, I had to have seen them play in a Fulham shirt. So anyone sort of pre-2004, you know, I'm not saying, you know, fine, I'll give you Steve Finnan because I, I know that he's got sort of fan love, you know, great culture behind him, whatever. I, I sort of had my own personal rule. I had to have seen them in a Fulham shirt in order to get in my team. So that's why, that's why I went with John Pansel. Even over, even, even over a likes of Moritz Volt, who, who did a fine job as well. And Sasha Ritha, who was my first choice. But for some reason, I just went for John Pansel. But I'll, I'll concede Stephen into you, gladly. Good idea. All right, then. Okay, excellent. So we have confirmed. Van der Zara, goalkeeper, and Finnan at right back. Now, Mr. Reese, your centre-back pairing, go. I can't imagine there being another Northern Irishman or another Norwegian that you'd want in this squad. So we can't have the whole two player unless you really want to get Chris Baird in as a defensive midfield, but whatever. Um, it's Hughes and Angland, and I can't see any other any other reason, any other pairing. There's, there's surely not. Matt, you're a sensible man. It's got to be Brader and Hughes. It's got to be Angland and Hughes. <laughs> well, it has to be Angland and Hughes. I'm, I'm with you with Hangland, but I'm surprised at you, Reese, for not picking Chris Coleman. The Again, Welshman. Again, pre-2004. Massive, massive player for us. And it was such a shame that he had his accident when he did because he would have have carried on playing for the club for for quite some time, captain in the club. As it was, he ended up managing the club um, probably before before he would have liked to. But yeah, I I think those two would have been an absolutely outstanding centre-back partnership um, if they'd have been around together at the the same time. 
So it's, so it's, so it comes down to Coleman. It's come comes down to Coleman or Hughes, basically is what we're is what we're going to go for. So Joe, Joe, uh, John, rather, you have the casting vote. Go I'm going to go with Hughes and Hangerland for this one. I think you're yeah, absolutely the actual partnership. All right. Okay then. So that's all decided. And the left back, Mr. Reese, go. Um, left back was a hard one because left backs don't exactly put themselves in the limelight naturally, and we haven't exactly had a great choice of left backs recently. You, you think you think of who we had. I'm not putting you know Matt Target never made um never made the full England squad. James Husband, as much as we loved him, never quite made it. Um I couldn't quite bring myself to put Staffelidis. Uh, Staff leads in there, even though I even though I thought he was, he was quite a good player, I just couldn't bring myself to do it. Uh, Frank Woodrow, not in a million years. Um, there's only really one choice, and it is my token Englishman because I have to have an Englishman, otherwise I'd be kicked off this podcast for good. It's Paul Kincheski. Fantastic, Paul Kincheski, lovely. And Mr. Beclair, your left back, please. Yeah, I, I agree. This was the uh, the toughest position to fill. Um, I think it was only between two for me, and that was Konchesky and Wayne Bridge. And because Wayne Bridge was only on loan, I also went with Konchesky. Wow, I'd have thought, you know, I'd have thought Rufus Brevitt. I mean, like I said, this is, you know, pre 2004, he wouldn't get in mind. But I know Rufus Brevitt gets a bit of a love, and he, he never got capped. That's why. Yeah, that's exactly. why. Never mind. Carry on. <laughs> Carry on. I'm being an idiot. <laughs> no problem. All right. Okay. So the centre midfields, we will start with right centre mid. Mr. Reese. Oh crap! Right sentiment. Um, I've sort of done. Okay, right sentiment. I can work this. Uh, Tom Kearney is my right sentiment. I've sort of got a, a holding midfielder in there, but if you want to sort of in a you know formation wise, the right it would be Tom Kearney, who's been probably our best player um, since he came to us in 2015. I think he's far and away the best player that we've had in that time period, bar none. Excellent. And for you, Mr. Buckler. Yeah, I've I've picked Moussa Dembélé. I think he's one of the most skillful uh, box-to-box midfielders we've ever had. Certainly the best dribbler. He was an absolutely outstanding talent. Um, and he's gone on to have a reasonable career at Spurs as well and play for Belgium in the World Cup. I, I definitely think um, definitely think he'd he'd fill that role for me. And here's the thing: in terms of box-to-box midfielder, I've gone for I think the only Fulham player we've ever had to win any international silverware. In that box-to-box role, I'm going for Georgios Karagounis, who in his prime was a fantastic player, and even at the age of 38 or however old he was for us, pulled in a magnificent. He shot. was at least 65 when he was at Fulham. Yes, I'm probably yeah, I'm probably <laughs> understating that. So I've got I've got in my midfield I've got you know Karagunas in that box of boxer and then Tim and then Tom Kearney sort of you know sitting on the hole spraying passes spraying passes around. So that's my midfield too. So Karagunas and Tom Kearney. We're on the piss. Excellent. And for you, yeah. Mister Buckley, I've uh, I've got John Collins in mm. there as my uh, my player to pick the passes out. Um, similar sort of player to uh, to Tom Kearney, but better. Yeah, but, yeah, I, I can't, I can't see, I can't see any form that. I should probably, you know, in, in the purpose for, for for the purpose of this, uh, my holding midfielder that I had, you know, sort of doing the Kevin McDonald role, um, of being in defensive midfielder and then in occasion dropping in to make it a back, a back three wing back sort of thing. I've gone for Papa Booba Diop, who I think could play that role fantastically, of playing centre back if ever we if ever we needed him to. Excellent, excellent. And final one for you, Mr. Buckler. Yeah, I agree. The big man, Papa Booba, is the defensive midfielder in, in, that, um, in that three for me. Okay, so we got Diop. So now, John, you, you've got the hard, you've got the hub. I feel like I'm hosting this. I really shouldn't be. No, no, um, this is good. The, it is because no, I got, enjoy it. The, okay, so you, you you basically get to get to pick out of all out of all four: Caragunas, Kearney, Musa Dembele, and John Collins. You you get to pick your ideal three. Ideal okay. two, rather. I've heard all the evidence and I'm going to make a decision. I will have Diop as the defensive midfielder. I will have Kearney on the right and I would have Musa Dembele on the left. That is my final call. As much as I love Karagounis, I'm afraid that is it. Diop, Kearney and Dembele for me. Okay. Uh, okay, uh, okay, okay. I'm streaming on because I, I realise we're sort of tight on time here. Um, my front three, I'm going to round as a front three. And if you want to you know, get a style of play going here, um, if you want to centre forward, there's only really one centre forward, and that's Brian McBride. I won't hear any other word about it. And if you want to play to Brian McBride straight, because that's not what he's. Say again. 
I said, I think you might hear another word about it in a minute. Okay, we'll, okay, we'll get around to that. Um, but, you know, he wasn't just good in the air. He was also very good. He was also very good with his feet. So you can sort of play balls along the ground behind the back four, back behind the defensive line to him uh, with Carragher and Snob Kenny. But Brian McBride's strength was in the air. So you want two wingers to whip the ball in, which is why I've gone for Luis Balmorte on the left and a very, very underrated player who really... I think should have you know, should have stuck around with us when we went down. Would have torn up the championship. That's Ashkanta Jagger on the right. Nottingham Forest's finest. Excellent. There you go. Hey, hey, don't not right. that. That was a bad time for them. I know. No, I'm joking. Was, Ross McCormack went there. Peter McSimon went there. And Ashkanta Jagger. By the way, that's a that. Put it in a four-two-three-one formation. Dejaga, Kasami, Ross McCormack, and one other. That is a fine attacking front four. Here, here, and for you, Matt. Give me your. Give me your forwards. Well, Louis Saha is the obvious centre forward who I won't have a word said against. He is going in the team. (laughs) He's the best player probably to ever play for Fulham, certainly in that position. He could play with his feet. He was lightning quick. He could head the ball. Um, He could take penalties with both feet um, and was prolific, um, even in the Premier League. Um, So he'd be down the middle. Here's the thing, um, though. Louis Saha hasn't got into the French Football Hall of Fame. Brian McBride has. So you've got what, the clear... The French Hall of Fame, is he? How did he get into the French Hall of Fame? Again, no, no. He, uh, Brian McBride's in the American Football Hall of Fame, in the American Soccer Hall of Fame. Louis Saha is in the French one. So surely that makes Brian McBride better. There's, there's a lot of crap players in the American Hall of Fame as well, I'm sure. Anyway, so Saha, Saha down the middle. Then I've got Boa Morse down the left and I've got Dempsey down the right. All right, guys. I've made my decision from hearing everything now. Um, in which case, I will start from the beginning. A very good place to start. Okay. So, the go- I know, I'm full of it. Now, Van der Sar as goalkeeper. Finnan as right back. Hughes and Hangeland as the centre-backs. Koncheski as the left back. Diop as the defensive mid. Kearney to the right and Dembele to the left. And I have Boa Morte as a left winger and Dempsey as a right winger. And I'm so sorry, Reese. I'm going with Louis Saha as centre forward. I'm sorry. It's close, but you're going to get one. We got one yeah, Yank in there got, already. I got seven. I got seven of my players in, so I'm quite happy with that. That's a winning percentage. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. And so there we are, guys. That is the International 11, the naughty International 11 of FFC. All right, gentlemen, and that is a wrap for our pod this week. Uh, thank you to my co-hosts, you wonderful co-hosts, and for all you guys listening at home. Now, don't forget to subscribe and rate us on iTunes and tell all your friends about us. And we're not going to do fantasy football tips this week for obvious reasons of the international break. So, that is goodbye from me, J-Mac. That is goodbye from Mr. Proclair. Cheers, everyone. Thank you. And that is goodbye from Reese Lightning, Matthew Baldwin. Thanks very much. Take care, guys. Legends. All right. See you, guys. See you soon.